Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Go. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We're here to cover the final series of the regular season, uh, some exciting Brewers baseball for a change maybe this year. Um, but big news this week, uh, as you probably already know, Brewers clinching the playoff berth uh, Sunday night and slated to take on the Dodgers. And so today we're going to be covering that the, the, the crucial five-game series against the Cardinals, as well as previewing their matchup against uh, the the Dodgers in ser- in the first series of the playoffs. So, David, anything before we get to it? Um, well, I think anytime the Brewers make the postseason, it's an exciting time. I think some people are maybe like almost apologetic that the Brewers made the postseason. They're not a great team this year. I think that pretty much uh, most Brewer fans or most people who have watched the team could agree on that. But at the same time, there's no reason to be apologetic that the Brewers made the postseason. This is the format, and they ended up with the eighth best team. So I think now with that being said, it's time to um, get going. And I think we sh- there's reason to be excited that they made the postseason, even if they are unable to get out of the first round. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Couldn't agree more. They made it to the playoffs. Uh, Brett Anderson, I forget exactly what he tweeted, but pretty much doesn't matter how we got there. We're in the playoffs, and they have a chance. They have a shot at the World Series, uh, albeit probably one of the smallest chances of anyone that is in the playoffs, but they've got a shot. So uh, exciting for Brewers fans, too. Uh, Brewers making the playoffs again this year. And uh, we're going to switch it up this time a little bit. Instead of a trivia question, we're going to have our Brewer fact of the day at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Uh, of course, we got to tie that into the playoffs, so it's a playoff-themed Brewers fact, so stay tuned for that fact of the day. And uh, without further ado, let's, uh, let's cover the biggest series of the season for the Brewers, game one of that five-game set with the Cardinals. And the Brewers falling 4-2 to in this one. Corbin Burns picking up uh, his first loss of the year, uh, which... You know, speaks to how well he's pitched. Burns, unfortunately, having to leave early in the fourth inning with a uh, strained left oblique. This is a big loss for the Brewers. Burns is now, uh, has already been determined out for the first series against the Dodgers. So we won't see Corbin Burns in 2020 unless the Brewers do get past the Dodgers. So really, that was the big news of that game. Uh, with the Brewers falling 4-2 to in the series opener. Um, your thoughts on this game, David? Yeah, I, that was really the big takeaway. Burns didn't look sharp even before the game. His velo was down already from the get-go, and it seemed likely that he was dealing with some sort of um, maybe lingering tightness or soreness. It almost as if maybe they should have pushed his start back a little bit, but I don't know if you could have really afforded to do that in this position. So I don't necessarily fault Council 100% for ended, ending up to choo- choosing this route. He struggled. He allowed a home run right before he was taken out, and you could just tell he battled the whole game. Um, I think he, he gave what he had, but it wasn't enough, and I think that's certainly understandable given the situation um, with potentially being injured already to an extent going into the game. Yeah, Burns did mention that he had the oblique issues yeah, even before the game. Yeah, definitely not looking like his best, uh, only going three and two-thirds after being have, having to be pulled out of the game and giving up three runs, which does hurt his ERA on, on the year. Uh, but like I said, picking up his first loss, and I believe... Did I hear correctly that he is ineligible for the Cy Young now? 
Well, he's ineligible to win the ERA title. Got it. So that doesn't that doesn't disqualify him from the Cy Young Award. But no starting pitcher has ever won the Cy Young Award without qualifying for the ERA title. So it it's basically a foregone conclusion that he won't, especially with his poor start at the end. Degrom had a good final start. Um, if I'm if I, I'm almost pretty sure. So and Bauer had a, an excellent start yeah. against the Brewers. We know that one too on well. Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't really see a path where Burns wins the Cy Young. He actually may not even be a finalist, but I think he will probably finish in that fourth or fifth range. Which is still an incredible season for Burns. And with how short the season was, without that injury, Burns puts up seven or eight scoreless in this game, and we're having a completely different discussion. So, I mean, we're talking a matter of just a couple of innings uh, difference in this in the season as far as the Cy Young goes. So. Really, takeaway from the from game one, uh, Corbin Burns having to leave with a left oblique strain, and the Brewers falling to the Cardinals 4-2 in the series opener. Uh, this this made game two especially important for the Brewers, uh, really needing to win, likely needing to win three out of five in the series. Uh, Brewers following up the 4-2 loss with a 3-0 victory. Uh, Brent Suter took the, took the mound and uh, then handed it off to Brewers' top reliever of 2020, Devin Williams, who uh, did his typical uh, two innings, no uh, no runs, two hits allowed, uh, but Devin Williams locking down the fifth and sixth inning, uh, leading the way to Josh Hader for the seventh to close the game out. Um, really couldn't have gone brighter for the Brewers. Suter putting up four scoreless, passing the ball off to, to Williams for two, and Hader for one in that doubleheader opener. Yeah, and I think the, the bullpen days have really been executed better than you really could have expected. Um, they've had probably, what, maybe four bullpen days. Um, each of them, they haven't really allowed any runs except, I know there's the one game against the Cubs where Hayter did allow that home run at the end, which did cost them the game. But overall, I think when you look at the full picture, they've been excellent, and the bullpen as a whole has been outstanding. Um, Darren Willman on Twitter, who uh, helps run Baseball Savant, he actually mentioned that Devin Williams may have had the best season of all time for a single pitch. His um, huh. changeup, people call it the airbender. Um, kind of an in-between of a screwball and a changeup. Uh, but I think one hit in uh, 30-something plate appearances, like a .026 batting average. Um, but Williams also had a 61% strikeout rate on that changeup, meaning that um, he's the the number of batters that he struck out with the changeup was 61% compared to the ones put in play or taken for a walk. Um, I think overall outstanding. He was he was not only the biggest surprise on the Brewers, but may have been the biggest surprise in all of baseball. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking if any Brewer fans placed a bet on Devin Williams winning reliever of the year, they're probably they're probably sitting pretty uh, right now <laughs> uh, with Williams with the year that he had and the possibility of him in the rookie of the year race and the reliever of the year race, which we've covered previously a couple episodes past. Uh, but yeah, Williams, Brewers top reliever for 2020. And uh, the Brewers would not be where they were without Devin Williams. I, I mean, he, he bridged the gap to, to Hayter over and over uh, a lot of times in that seventh and or eighth inning and really, really um, helped the Brewers and, and stretched their, um, stretched the depth too of the bullpen. It gave guys like Suter and Peralta the ability to fill those middle innings and the Brewers, if they had the lead at that point, be very confident in, in the combination of Williams and Hayter to get the job done. Yeah, and also one thing to mention, but Freddie Peralta finished the year in 24 and a third innings out of relief and a 2.22 ERA, so that an outstanding mark. Uh, he 
didn't have a good what start one one or two starts to be begin the year and that kind of ruined his ERA. He wasn't great in the last appearance that he made um, in that Cardinals series yesterday, but overall he was he was very good out of the bullpen. Brent Suter, even though his ERA was a little bit high. Um, he had a little bit of an issue with the long ball, and a lot of batted balls that were put in play ended up falling for hits. Um, so kind of the victim of a little bit of bad luck throughout the year. I think also um, Josh Hader flew under the radar. He remember he was had that hitless streak going for the first month of the year, right? And even after that ended, he had he had really had two bad outings. He had the outing against Pittsburgh, and he had the outing against the Cubs. He actually led the NL in saves. Um, yeah. Not that saves is such a meaningful statistic, but it's still, I think it still means something. Agreed. Um, Josh Hader was very good, and I think that there's there's reason to believe that he's still uh, one of the best relievers in baseball. Yeah, he's proven it year after year now uh, that he is one of those top relievers in the major leagues and potentially the best left-handed reliever in baseball. Uh, he definitely has been over the past couple of years, if you look at it from the aggregate sense, but... Yeah, Brewers have been, been blessed this year with uh, some good arms in the bullpen. And the bullpen, the future of the bullpen does look bright, too. A lot of those guys, still young, still have some control with a lot of those players as well. Uh, so Brewers should have a good bullpen going forward as well, which is uh, something to look forward to in 2021 as well, uh, besides bringing back Yelich, of course, uh, with the extension over the, the past offseason. So. Uh, and the second half of that doubleheader, uh, going the Cardinals' way, they, they're putting up. They put up nine runs on the Brewers, uh, big six spot in the fifth against the Brewers, uh, and the Brewers falling to the Cardinals nine to one in this one. Josh Lindblom taking taking the hill, um, unable to get through the third inning, uh, gave up three runs. Brewers uh, turning over to Claudio Rasmussen, Lauer, and Fireisen to get the job done the rest of the way. Uh, but Brewers falling 9-1. to one. Offense not really able to get anything going. Uh, Ponce de Leon going 6 strong. Uh, and again, 7-inning game. So uh, Cardinals turn to uh, Whitley out of the pen to finish that game up. Uh, and so, yeah, second half, second half of the doubleheader. Brewers falling 9-1. to one, uh, Splitting the doubleheader on the day. Uh, and losing game 3 of that series. Uh, anything really t to add to that? Not, not, too, not a very exciting game. Two hits no. only for the Brewers. Yeah, kind of one of those games that you, you know, they happen and you move on. Oh, oh for better the next day, really, um, is, is all you can do. And, I mean, thankfully the Brewers were able to do that. Yeah, Brewers doing that in game four. It really in a must win uh, for the Brewers. Three to nothing. Brandon Woodruff, I really can't say too much about Woodruff. Uh, we talked about it, Dave and I talked about it before the game. Uh, a must win for the Brewers, turning to their ace, Brandon Woodruff. Uh, really need Woodruff to step up in this spot to be a true ace, and, and Woodruff did exactly that, going eight scoreless innings, giving up just two hits, uh, looking like that ace that the Brewers need, and stepping up in a huge game for the Brewers, uh, helping them take the, the game three to nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking about whether or not um, this was the biggest game that Woodruff's pitched in his career. I think it's hard to say because even though he's really only been their their guy um, since I'd say the second half of last season, yeah, uh, he did make that. Well, technically it wasn't a start, but he essentially started in uh, game game five of the NLCS in 2018. That was when Wade Miley pitched a third of an inning. Okay, um, that so that was a big start. He had um, the wild card game where he started last year. Uh, but this was Woodruff's game. They didn't really yep. have options in the bullpen. 
So that was kind of the thing that you were, I would say that I was a little bit worried about. Um, the bullpen was a little bit taxed and you knew that you were going to need him for the next game. So Woodruff went out and he dominated. He had um, the probably the best, best, best pitching performance of his career. Uh, eight innings, two hits, no runs, 10 Ks. He Cardinals hitters were just basically looking clueless there. Um, Wainwright pitched pretty well uh, on the opposite end, but the Brewers offense was able to produce enough uh, where they were able to secure the victory. 3-0. Brandon Woodruff coming through in uh, the biggest game of the year. Yeah, massive, massive game for from Woodruff. Exactly what the Brewers needed. And then on the offensive side of things, Brewers getting their three runs from home, a pair of home runs from Ryan Braun and Daniel Vogelbach. And then an RBI single from Omar Narvaez. Uh, enough enough uh, runs for the Brewers in that game, uh, shutting out the Cardinals in Game Four and and giving hope to the Brewers' chances in the playoffs entering the final game of 2020. Uh, an, an exciting uh, Game Four led to uh, a disappointing Game Five for the Brewers. Uh, with a continued number of injuries, we talked about Burns. Um, we'll get to the injuries uh, in a minute here, but Game Five uh, Sunday, Brewers Cardinals, Brewers losing five to two. Uh, Brett Anderson getting the start, uh, but having to leave after just getting six outs uh, with blisters and leaving a pair of runners on base for Freddie Peralta, who you touched on earlier, uh, struggled in his two innings, uh, and really after that. Uh, Cardinals took over, putting up a four spot in the third, and all they really needed in this game as a Brewers offense, uh, only to only able to put up five hits and two runs. Brewers falling five to two in the season finale. It was a big game. Uh, of course, ultimately, it didn't end up mattering in the scheme of whether or not they made it to the postseason. Uh, of course, you want to get into the the playoffs on the right foot, but what really matters is that they made it. It was overall, I'd say, kind of an uninspiring game. Uh, they looked pretty good. Uh, some unfortunate luck when they had one out and Braun hit the the hard grounder down the line. A nice play by Edmund, and they were able to turn two on it. Um, this could have been Ryan Braun's final regular season game as a Brewer. Um, that's something that, you know, you don't, at least to me, you don't really want to face. But, of course, it's going to happen at some point. Um, he's going to retire. He went 0 for 3 with a walk um, in the game. Yeah, he actually, and there wasn't both of, both of his... Sorry to interrupt, but both of his last his last two at bats both did not look good. I, I did think of that with you mentioning how it could be Braun's last regular season game, and with us not knowing whether the Brewers were even going to make the playoffs, uh, just seeing his last two at bats, both strikeouts, uninspiring at bats. I thought to myself, man, that could be that could be it for Braun. Uh, of course, we will see Braun in the playoffs, uh, but like you mentioned, could be the last game for Ryan Braun in a Brewers uniform during the regular season. So we'll have to see how the offseason plays out and stay tuned uh, to our podcast. I'm sure we'll be covering that in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, continue yeah. with what you're saying. Yeah, Justin Topa I thought looked good out of the bullpen. Um, Yardley looked pretty good. Yardley had a 1-5-4 ERA on the year. Yeah, Yardley, um, so that, yeah. That should not go unnoticed. Also, um, in what could have been Yadier Molina's last at-bat at Bush Stadium in his career, he grounded into a triple play. Um, so that's the storybook ending that we need. You know, Derek Jeter, last game at Yankee Stadium, <laughs> opposite field walk-off single, Yadier Molina grounding into a triple play. I would I would rank it right up there in the level of, of uh of uh, how symbolic it may have been over the yeah. course of a career. Yeah, he Molina, and the king of double plays. Right, uh-huh. right. Yeah, it was it was like a, such a flawless triple play. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. We we didn't even cover that in in this game. But yeah, it was really Hauser came in the game, uh, did not look good. 
uh, two on. Not at all. Uh, and then he did have the the error uh, by who was that? Um, error by Peterson at, at third base, which should have been either a double play or a force out uh, with a runner on first. And so that error led to first and second nobody out. Molina ground ball down the third baseline. Really could not have been more routine. Right on the bag, Peterson fielded it through to second, back to first, triple play. Molina was on, was still like six steps from first base. <laughs> I, it's yeah. the, like the, the, the easiest triple play I've seen. Uh, as far as unless maybe the you know the line drive unassisted uh-huh. or whatever, but uh, but yeah, Hauser able to get out of that inning without giving up a run. He he did not look good either. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is left off the the playoff roster because I'm not sure what uh, I'm not sure what he has to add at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. He looked not good. Yeah, uh, to put it simply, he 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 did not look sharp um, in the game. So I, I don't know. I don't really know that you can afford to put him in because he's right. really a mop-up guy at this point. Exactly, which there's no real, real no real need for, especially in a three-game series against the Dodgers. Uh, and and speaking of that, uh, ultimately, like you said, Brewers falling in this one, uh, kind of going in thinking the Brewers really must win, uh, win or go home type of thing, but uh, ending up getting a little lucky. So Brewers falling, but uh, needing a loss from the Phillies as well as the Giants, and the Brewers were lucky enough to get that, uh, courtesy of the Padres beating the Giants. Which, by the way, if you happen to be watching that as a Brewer fan, those last two strikes called on uh, on the Giants were were brutal. I felt for I felt for the for the Giants and for that uh, for the fan base there because both of those balls were outside, especially the last one um, that he was rung up on to end the game. But uh, but really, as a Brewer fan didn't really matter Giants and the Phillies falling so the Brewers able to sneak in the eight seed uh, and set to face the Dodgers in a three-game set starting Wednesday Uh, so what kind of preview do you have David for for the series against arguably the best team in baseball Mm -hmm. well I think also one thing to note first Daniel Vogelbach did leave well he didn't leave the game because it was his last at bat anyways but he had a little bit of a hamstring issue there in the end the Brewers hadn't undergone tests yet um, at the time of this recording. We're just recording this on Sunday night um, to make sure we can get it out on Monday morning. Uh, but there was no no news on Daniel Vogelbach. Um, it didn't seem like it was necessarily something that was very severe, but at the same time, hamstring issues can linger. Yep. And it's pretty big if you miss uh, Daniel Vogelbach for the series against against the, the Dodgers. Right. Uh, so no news yet, but all we know is that it's some sort of hamstring issue. Hopefully it's just day-to-day and he's good. The nice thing with Vogelbach is he doesn't really provide much value <laughs> with his, his legs. Right. Um, so it's not as big of an issue if, for example, um, Lorenzo Cain Luis Urias. Yeah. Right. That's going to make a bigger issue, especially if Vogelbach is going to be DHing anyways, which I think right. is the most likely scenario. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He did he did grab that right hamstring as he was running out uh, his last at-bat uh, of the game. And so we'll have to wait and see what comes out with that. But, yeah, hopefully Vogelbach able to make, make the postseason roster and, and play in that three-game side against the Dodgers. Uh, who do you see uh, besides, of course, Brandon Woodruff starting game one for the Brewers in that series with Corbin Burns being out? Who do you see in that number two and number three role? I know we've talked about bullpenning. Unfortunately, the Brewers uh, not not going to be any way that they can bullpen two games and have uh, some sort of bullpen help for Woodruff in game one uh, with no off days. So who, who do you see the Brewers putting out there in game two and game three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's something that they'll talk about whether or not Woodruff will go uh, on short rest in Game 1, because if Woodruff does go in short rest on Game 1, he could possibly be available in relief on uh, just two days later. I think that'd be borderline, and that'd be pushing it. Especially in 2020. But, but I think that 
that it's definitely a possibility that they go that route. Um, you look at some of the starters, Brett Anderson, we don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like he'd be able to pitch. Well, he would, he's not going to be pitching game one. Could he pitch game three? Possibly. Depends what the blister issue looks like. We don't know that. Uh, so he actually started the year on the injured list with a, a blister issue, and that reappeared uh, today. It could be such that he just had to leave the starter. It could be that he's back. Um, I think you consider Eric Lauer. Yeah. I don't know if I want to say this, um, but Eric Lauer or Lindblom. Because how you you can't start Hauser in game one. No. Hauser has Hauser's been horrible. Right. Um. So I would say I would say if you go with Woodruff in game one, um, you reassess Anderson. Um, Anderson could start game two. I would think he didn't have he didn't pitch. Uh, he only pitched two innings today. Um. So I, I think he would possibly be able to pitch game two if he is back to uh, full health. But again, that's a big if. Yeah. And if not. I think that you have to start either Lauer or Lindblom, maybe just for one one time around through the order, or maybe even both one time around right. through the order. Right. Because yeah. the I only thing also is if you start Woodruff game one, you are able to kind of see where the bullpen situation is at. So if Woodruff starts game one and goes seven innings, and then let's say you have Williams and Hayter for an inning each, um, of course, this is a very sure. ideal scenario. You sure. uh, have to keep in mind that you're facing the Dodgers. Right. Uh, but let's just say, for example, that's the case, and uh, they are up one nothing in the series. They're going to be more likely to maybe bullpen Game 2 um, and see if they can get that Game 2 win because it is just a three-game series. Right. Um, I think that that's something that you consider uh, kind of going off of off of um, how the series plays off based on Game 1 because you really can't forecast without, I mean, how many starters do the Brewers have? Really, Brandon Woodruff. <laughs> how many playoffs? Because right, Burns, Burns is Burns right. is out for the series. Right. Hauser can't. How you can't have no. Hauser start. And Eric Lauer has not really started this year. Lynn Bloom's been in and out of the rotation. Yeah, I like. I I, I do like the option of Lauer. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, just because of of the stats that he's put up in his career, um, he is five and zero with a two point one one ERA and seven starts against the Dodgers. You know, take that with a grain of salt. Not sure what. How much that matters when we're looking at game one of the playoffs but the dodgers also do have a couple of lefty bats as well of course ballinger being one of those uh so i i don't mind the idea of having lauer go at least one time through the order if he assuming he can make it <laughs> um but i don't mind the the combination like you mentioned of lauer Lindblom potentially doing that for a game i'm not personally a big fan of putting woodruff out on short rest in game one um because we we just saw him go eight innings against the Cardinals in a big game, uh, to even expect seven out of him would be a stretch. And, and if we did... In a postseason game, exactly, too. Against the best team in baseball. And even if we do see, you know, seven strong, I'm not even sure that we can see him in game three. Uh, so I almost like the idea of, of saying, you know, rather than trying to do that, let's let's make sure we, we get a good, a good, healthy Woodruff, give him a, one strong start, um, and if he can go seven strong for the Brewers, then I think that's a win. Uh, but that's, that's my personal opinion on it. I do get the argument as to why you might want to put him on short rest. But for I, I personally think it's best for the Brewers if they were to let Woodruff um, get his get get more rest at least. Mm -hmm. Or he could go full on Randy Johnson and start right. game two, go like what eight innings, and then right. uh, come out in game three in relief. Yeah. Um, World Series, maybe. Uh, World Series, maybe. Yeah. I'm sure if you asked yeah. Woodruff, he, he'd be down. I would uh, think but so. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a competitor. Yeah. And as you look at, at the Brewers uh, not really knowing the starters also, 
We do know who the Dodgers will be starting, at least in the first two games, uh, none other than Walker Bueller in Game 1 and Clayton Kershaw in Game 2. Um, Brewers, I think, definitely have the upper hand if they go Eric Lauer against <laughs> Walker Bueller in Game 1. Uh, it's kind of funny. Um, also kind of not, because this is the playoffs. This would be the time where we talk about the lack of a salary cap in the, in the major leagues, I guess, when we have Eric mm-hmm. Lauer facing off against a Hall of Fame left-handed pitcher in Kershaw. Uh, one of the best to do it, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, Kershaw, Bueller, uh, and then and then who would the Dodgers be throwing out there in Game Three? Um, they haven't announced that so far. It could be Tony Gonsolin. Um, he's a possibility. He's been pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. Dustin May is also an option, or Julio Urias or Alex Wood. They they have six starting pitchers right. that are better than anyone other than Woodruff that we have. Maybe we can swing a trade. We'll trade like uh, Bernie the Br- Bernie Brewer, maybe. Yeah, they don't have a mascot. We could trade one of the racing sausages. That sounds good. I um, feel like I feel like it's, uh, probably number two. What is number mm-hmm, two? Yeah, uh, Polish. Polish. Nobody ever. Nobody ever. Yeah, <laughs> nobody ever roots for the Polish sausage. It's we always could, either the Italian sausage, the hot dog, or chorizo. I feel like, and then yeah, the few. or or we could another option is uh, treat it like a, a college interest squad scrimmage. So when the Brewers run out of pitching, the game's over. There we go. That um, works either us. that, either that, or because the Dodgers have so many pitchers, starting pitchers, then when the Brewers run out of pitching, then they give us exactly. a pitcher. There we go. So we'll take Alex Wood. Even yeah. he might not even make the postseason right, right. roster. He might not even pitch. Julio Urias. Yeah, we'll take him. Um, also reminds me of the 2018 series. I think I- I'm not the only one because it's a rematch of uh, of that 2018 NLCS, which was, I would say, the peak of this era of Brewers baseball. Yep. It's a little bit. I'd, I'd say it's a little bit. Um, well, not I'd say. It is a little bit different. It's a three-game series. Yep. The Dodgers are the best team in baseball. The Brewers are The worst not. playoff team. Yeah. As far as record yeah. goes, yeah. Although the Astros actually finished at 29-31 and 31 also. But they they got in as the second team in their division. Uh, if you look, I mean, I'm not going to get into too much of the sign-stealing scandal. We've, we've heard plenty about it um, throughout the... Um, throughout the past couple months, especially when we were just kind of sitting idle, right? Um, with the with the lockdown and with everything going on, but if you look at the, some of the Astros, I mean, Springer was right on, I'd say, um, with how he normally is. But Bregman hit 248, Correa hit 256, Guriel hit 232, Altuve hit 216, uh, Josh Reddick 249. Yeah, Yikes. yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I, th- I don't think that's coincidental, and that could be, of course. Stein ceiling related, but I also think there is a mental side of things too. Agreed. It's, I it's, think it's I think it's maybe a mix of things. Right. It's not easy being yeah. being on the most hated team and being a player who is known as a cheater and really is hated by players and fans alike. So I, I think that takes a toll on on a person just psychologically. Um, but yeah, we won't go down too far on that trail. But yeah, Astros having a very uninspiring 2020 could see an early exit uh, from them uh, for them, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah, and even going a little bit further, just uh, some more of the logistical things to preview in the series. Um, they they do play Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday if necessary, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, um, Wednesday, September 30th. The game will be on either ESPN or TBS, uh, so um, hopefully you guys can all tune into those games. They haven't they haven't decided because they were waiting till we got all the matchups, so that way they can... I mean, I guess uh, we're playing the Dodgers, though, so it'll probably be late for all those in the central time zone. We're probably looking at nine o'clock starts uh, because they'll put the East Coast teams out in front. Yeah, not conducive, especially Wednesday night. Uh, by the way, I yeah I'm a college baseball player, 
um, for all our fans, and 6.30 a.m. lift on Thursday morning will not be fun because <laughs> they'll probably play it will be if the Brewers win. If the Brewers win game one, True. I'll have, have the motivation be, yeah, to wake it'll up. It'll be a good lift. True. <laughs> but, um, but either way, uh, Wednesday through Friday, be sure to catch those games. Uh, and I'm, if you want to stay active on our Twitter, um, we'll, we'll post when the games are. They'll announce those. At, I would think tomorrow. Um, but just tomorrow take just a quick Monday. look. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow or maybe even today. Just a quick look at the rest of the um, the formatting. So there are eight teams in each of the each side of the postseason. So eight NL teams, eight AL teams. One plays eight, four plays five. Those winners play each other in a five game series. So that will be the traditional NLDS. Although um, there will be a postseason bubble after the first round. Um, NL will be in Texas, so they'll be playing in both Houston and um, and Dallas, Arlington uh, at the Rangers' new ballpark. Uh, the World Series will also be played at the Rangers' new ballpark. And then the AL will take place in both San Diego and L.A. at Dodger Stadium and at Petco Park. Um, that way there's no crossover. There's no risk of... Because they, they're actually saying there's a possibility of fans coming in. That'd be interesting to see. Um, of course, we haven't seen that yet this whole season. But um, but it will be interesting. And it, should the Brewers win, they'll play the winner of Padres-Cardinals. Uh, so that's kind of an, an interesting series. I would think the Padres are the better team. Then again, the Dodgers are a much better team than the Brewers, so we don't really know, especially in a three-game series. Exactly. We could get a Brewers, Cardinals, and Cubs, Reds. Uh, I'm really rooting for that one. I'm really uh -huh, rooting for, for that one. Four <laughs> NL Central teams. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's something just just to be on the lookout for. Um, and the AL side is is intriguing. We're not necessarily going to preview that, but um, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. Uh, should be an interesting series, uh, three-game set in a unique format. And you want to touch on maybe a little bit on the postseason roster as far as, you know, expectations for the Brewers and even just some of the logistics of how many players they're able to carry on their team? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there will be 28 players on the postseason roster. Um, so I think a big question mark uh, in the um, is in the pitching staff. So we'll just start with the catching and then kind of go back. Uh, we don't know Manny Pena. We haven't heard any updates on him. They said he could be back for the postseason. I, I would consider putting Pena and Nottingham on the roster if he's if he's available. I don't know if he's available, though. If not, it'll be Narvaez and Nottingham. Narvaez has looked so lost all year long. I don't know that I'd necessarily be in favor of non-tendering him in the offseason and cutting ties with him. But at the same time, um, if given the choice between Pena, Nottingham, and Narvaez, I would go with Pena and Nottingham. Um, but we don't we don't really know the availability of Pena yet. Um, if not, we will we'll see two of the three either way. Right. So that's two spots um, in the infield. Vogelbach. Again, he's another question mark because of the injury. I would think he'll be there um, if he's able to. Um, let's assume he is. And then Jerko also. Hira, Luis Urias, and Orlando Arcia. So that's seven. Um, Jace Sogard. Peterson. I would think will be there and Eric Sogard. So we're at nine. Um, and then Braun Garcia, Tyrone Taylor, and Christian Yelich, those four should all make it. I, Gamble's done. Um, so that's 13, which leaves room for 15 pitchers. Um, Woodruff, of course, uh, will be one of the, the guys on the roster. Devin Williams, um, Eric Yardley, Josh Hader, Brent Suter, Freddie Peralta, Corey Knable, Alex Claudio. Those are all guys. So that's nine pitchers. So we have six slots left. Um, Josh Lindblom, you would have to think, would make it. Ray Black, I would think, would make it. That's 11. Um, Justin Topa, that's 12. And you're kind of down to those last three spots. So you got Drew Rasmussen. He's a possibility. 
Brett Anderson, if he's healthy, will be there. Yep. But we don't know if he'll be healthy. That's a, that's a big question mark. Adrian Hauser, will Hauser um, be there? And then the big question mark also beyond that is there were a few players that tested positive for COVID-19 at the Brewers alternate training site just like about a week ago, and they're all in quarantine. So if they want to get somebody who's at their alternate training site, are they able to? Right. I think that's a big question mark. Um, I mean, they you've seen them shuttling guys over the last couple days, but those are guys who probably have tested negative, right. and they're so they're okay. So that'd be like a guy like Fireisen, uh, like Eric Lauer. Um, we could see them bring up Bobby Wall, but I don't really see that happening considering his lack of um, lack of innings yeah. so far. Um, so I my prediction would be that those last three spots uh, would go to. Um, Brett Anderson, I think, because if you can, um, you do get Anderson on that roster. Um, I would put Drew Rasmussen on there. I don't think he's necessarily like the most inspiring choice. Um, yeah, I and, agree. He's been a little, he's been inconsistent, but I, I liked him. I like him over Fire Eisen or some of those other arms, like you mentioned, Wall not having the the experience this year. There's really no reason to to put him out there now. Mm-hmm. And then. I think it's the last spot is really between Hauser, Fireisen, Lauer. Excuse me, Lauer. I already said Hauser, Fireisen, and um, Bobby Wall. I actually think it goes to Hauser because the realistically these guys are all going to get mop up innings or late extra innings. Like let's say the Brewers Brewer game goes 15 innings, I'd rather have some mop up length. I guess. Yeah. I would take because you're not going to you're not going to put JP Fireisen in a big spot. You're not going to put Angel Perdomo in a big spot. Bobby Wall. Right. I mean, Hauser was very good last year, even though he has not looked good at all this year. I think that you, he would probably be the guy that you go to. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you hope that they won't have right. to use him. Right. I don't really see them calling up a guy who's not on the 40-man roster, like, say, an Aaron Ashby or a Zach Brown type. Um, I don't really see that happening. I, I think they would have done that earlier on if they were going to. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, we are we are missing out on a key on Braxton defensive replacement and, and, and base runner. He seems to have been replaced by Tyrone Taylor, which is unfortunate as, mm-hmm. a, as a big key on fan. Yeah, and I'm thinking maybe Domingo is a pinch hitter. We, yeah. we, were, we were reminiscing. Well, I don't know if I'd say reminiscing. Yeah, right, no, yeah, it wasn't not good. Quite. Um, but in Game 7 of the NLCS two years ago, um, first and second, two outs in the bottom of the second, I think it was. And Council chose to pinch hit Jonathan Scope with Domingo on the bench. Domingo had been their best pinch hitter. Um, he was outstanding was, off the bench. This was, yeah, this was, this was in a 2-1 Dodgers lead at the time. Scope, I think, struck out. Um, and then he ends up using Domingo with two outs, nobody on in the fifth. And that was even taking out Hayter out of the game. Hayter had thrown 36 pitches in three innings. And they decided to take him out, and he used Domingo. Didn't really turn out well, um, but just kind of. I mean, they don't really have that situation. You know, Domingo would probably be our best hitter if he was on the team this year. <laughs> uh, yeah. We don't have that luxury with pinch hitters. I you know I'm missing, like, when we had, like, Curtis Granderson, remember? Yep, yep. Um, he he almost hit that home run in game two of the NLCS. Um, don't start yeah. crying now. Sorry, I'll try not to. Uh, um, but, yeah, anyways, I think that's kind of how the roster will shake up. Um, but there are a lot of question marks, and, of course, the Brewers will be working on figuring out the health of the, some of the guys and um, whether or not they should be included um, in that in that postseason roster. Yeah, I uh, generally, I, generally speaking, I would agree with you on the roster. 
I do hope to see Eric Lauer, like I mentioned. I, I think that he is possibly an option to go one time through the order in, in one of those games, depending how they decide what they decide to do with Woodruff. So I, I like the idea of having Lauer and Lindblom there to potentially piggyback. Um, maybe they can go you know, a couple of innings each and, and get to the pen in one of those games. Uh, but we're definitely going to need to see the offense step up. Uh, it's, it's been something we've continued to talk about all season. Um, disappointing offensive season for the Brewers this year. And with the, the big arms we talked about, Bueller and Kershaw in particular, um, it, the, Brewer, the Brewers' offense is going to need to step up because uh, the Dodgers' offense is too good. Uh, they are going to score some runs. That's just a fact. And so, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the preview for the series. Um, again, Wednesday through Friday, Brewers versus Dodgers. And uh, so, David, got to ask you, prediction for the series? Uh, maybe, I, I don't know if I should ask for an unbiased prediction for the series or, or a biased prediction. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to make a biased prediction. I, I, I'm going to say Dodgers in three. I, I think it's uh, it's very difficult to see the Brewers winning, outside of the fact that it is only a three-game um, play-in series. Um, so I, I think that's something that, you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult to envision. I think of all of the matchups, this is probably the most difficult um, to see it, the lower seed winning. But yeah. at the same time, it's a three-game series. Really, anything can happen. Um, I mean, we saw the Brewers beat good teams this year. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, my job is to counter you. So, I, of course, I got to go Brewers in two for the series prediction. Brewers going to take this one, uh, just ride it right into the, the next series. Uh, sweeping the Dodgers 2 nothing, Piece of cake. Sweep the Padres, too. Oh, yeah. Why not? While we're at yeah. it. Yeah. We're, going, we're going full on 2007 Rockies. Yeah, exactly. I can feel sweeping it. Sweeping their way to the World Series. I'd, I'd be reasonably... Um, reasonably excited with a Brewers <laughs> loss in the World Series. You know, maybe we'll yeah. see like 35th anniversary celebrations for them if that happens. <laughs> well, what, what would that be, 2055? Right. right. And we see uh, we see 72-year-old Ryan Braun making an appearance at or, the ballpark. Or uh, Daniel Vogelbach making an appearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Six feet, 380. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, well, and 2020 was even... This is kind of a side note, but 2020 was the 50th anniversary for the Brewers, and that kind of, you know, they hyped it up at the beginning going into the year, mm-hmm. and then with everything happening, they just kind of downplayed it. And I'm assuming they'll cover it next year, assuming we have a normal year, 51st mm-hmm. anniversary. Um, well, and, and don't forget that next year is the 10-year anniversary of us winning the division, <laughs> 2011. <laughs> I have to think that maybe we'll have we'll combine them. So we'll have, like, maybe Ron Redicky bobblehead uh, in April, <laughs> and then, then maybe a Sean Markham bobblehead in in May, or actually, mini, no, probably both would be in April. They'd, the, they'd the probably mini, do every week. <laughs> the mini series, the, the yeah. mini bobbleheads. So you gotta, yeah, you gotta get the yeah. Sean Markham. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah they have mini a bobblehead of Unibi, but his feet are like glued in the dirt because <laughs> he couldn't move. <laughs> no range from Unibi. Uh-huh. But the real yeah. question is, would we see a George Kataris? Because that'd be the one that I would want. I mean, I think they had a Ned Yost bobblehead for the '82 series. Uh, yeah, they um, did. They mini did. bobbleheads, and he was the backup catcher. So, <laughs> if we're gonna do that, might as well have a uh, George Kataris, or yeah, didn't um, he have two cycles that year or something like that? He had one. Oh, just um, one. against okay. against the Astros. Uh, yeah, right. it was gonna be it was gonna be a triple again on Telltale, and then it bounced over for a ground rule double. That's right. That's right. The baseball gods yeah. blessed him on that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, ten year anniversary of of twenty eleven. Uh, last time the Brewers won the no, not the last time the Brewers won the division. No, they wow. won two years ago. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, also some postseason droughts ending this year, just around baseball. The Marlins, uh, first time that they've made the postseason since 2003. Um, if history repeats itself for the third time, the Marlins will ma will win the World Series. The Marlins have actually won. They have never won their division. Um, so they've made the postseason three times now without winning their division. But they also have never lost a postseason series. In 97, they snuck in as a wild card, won the World Series against Cleveland. 03 did the same against the Yankees. Yeah, we'll see uh, about this I, one. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Aguilar hits a, a walk-off home run. Yeah, um, off of off of uh, I don't know Oliver Drake from the Rays, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you you mentioned you know the unlikely fact of the Brewers taking the Dodgers off uh, in the first series, but yeah, Marlins unlikely to win too uh, with the the AAA Brewers that they have there uh, that we've already mentioned before. But and and even getting rid of VR too at the at the deadline. Um, but yes, Marlins back in the playoffs, Jeter and company, uh, I'm sure are excited, but. And just also a couple of intriguing series to watch around the league. Indians against Yankees, um, Indians having Shane Bieber, who front runner for the AL Cy Young, but also they've got Zach Plesac, Aaron Savali, Carlos Carrasco, all guys who are very good pitchers against some of the big bats. Um, Luke Voigt, he led the league with 22 home runs in, in a 60-game season. Aaron Judge, uh, if you have ever been on Instagram or Twitter or have ever turned on your TV on a, some sort of sports network, you know who Aaron Judge is, um, and you probably would assume he's the best player in baseball. But I think that's an intriguing matchup. A's-White Sox also, that's a really tough draw for the A's. The A's are the two-seed, uh, but the White Sox, who actually clinched before anyone else did in the American League, end up being the seven-seed. They faltered a little bit down the stretch. Twins ended up taking the division from them. Um, Indians are then the four seed. They finished second in the division. And the White Sox finishing third. That is not the draw that you want if you're Oakland. Um, but I think that's a really good series. A lot of young talent. And Oakland is also without Matt Chapman. So um, that's also another, another uh, factor to watch. And we've seen the A's in the postseason a lot, but they've never really been able to advance deep. We haven't even seen them in the World Series um, since that Moneyball era that, that everybody kind of... Uh, maybe glorifies, but kind of started a, a long run of success uh, for Oakland under the Billy Bean regime. Uh, but I would say those are the two, probably the two most intriguing series to watch outside of the Brewers, um, along with Braves Reds, uh, with the Reds three um, three headed uh, pitching rotation with Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray. Uh, so just just some things uh, notes around the league. Uh, and interesting in a new playoff format. I certainly don't hope that this playoff format stays long-term, but I like it in a shortened season. You know, things are kind of crazy. Good to experiment with it. Um, and, and I would be more in favor of maybe a six-team postseason um, on each side, and then maybe best of three series between three and six and four and five. That would be a little bit more of what I'm in favor of. Um, however, I, I do think that this is a pretty good setup, um, especially given the, the circumstances um, of the situation. Absolutely. Just really doing the best that they can uh, with the situation. And yeah, there, I think there are some, some fun matchups to watch. And with a three-game set, we're going to get a whole bunch of game threes, too, to watch. So that's kind of exciting. We don't have the one-game wild cards that we normally have been accustomed to over the past couple of years, but we will have plenty of game threes, uh, I'm sure. Uh, and yeah, so uh, as we head out today, uh, as promised, our Brewers Fact of the Day are switching it up a little bit. Uh, courtesy of David, so I'll let David share this uh, playoff-themed Brewers fact before we uh, before we head out today. Mm -hmm. um, actually, two facts of the day. Um, there was there was another one that I thought 
um, was pretty important. Uh, the first one is it's the first time in franchise history that the Brewers have reached the postseason uh, three straight times. Uh, so just kind of, I don't know, maybe speaks that the Brewers really, their franchise has not been um, terrific over the years. Also, though, um, the only other time before this year that a team made the postseason with a below 500 record was the 1981 Royals, um, but that was in the split season, and so they won the division um, in the half that they uh, that they needed to. But over the course of the year, they did finish at 50 and 53. Of course, this is anything but a normal season, but at the same time, we still see the Brewers and the Houston Astros as well finishing at 29 and 31. Uh, so that's also another thing of note, even with the expanded postseason uh, postseason picture. I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, Brewers kind of having a mediocre 2020, like you mentioned, below 500. They actually were never above 500 the entire season, which is mm -hmm. which is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Finishing mm -hmm. finishing below 500 yeah. and, and really never. They, they kept thinking about all these great stats that they'll be saying when uh, that Joe Buck and John Smoltz will be saying when uh, when. Eric Lauer is recording the final out of the World Series. <laughs> they got, they, they've got each. They, this this year's a little tougher for them though because they've got to come up with sixteen different ones in case each of them win the World Series. So mm -hmm. they got to get. They're, they're probably getting busy creating mm -hmm. those right now. Yeah, got to call up uh, MLB random stats. Yeah, for real. At Jer yeah, Jeremy Frank there. Good Twitter account by the way. If you aren't aware of one, or aren't aware of him by the way. So yeah, uh, Brewers. You know, to recap, all the way back at the beginning of the podcast, we're recovering the Brewers series against the Cardinals, falling three out of five, but ultimately um, able to sneak into the playoffs with that eight seed, setting up a three-game set against the LA Dodgers. Again, that that series beginning on Wednesday night. Um, unsure who the Brewers will put out there on the mound. Uh, Brewers, you know, not not favorited, that's for sure, uh, against the tough Dodgers. Um, but Brewers in the playoffs, uh, not much more you could ask for, and. We'll see what can happen in a three-game set, Brewers in two. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, at Brewers Podcast.